as a child. Greetings, Slimesters, and welcome to another episode of Nightmares as a Child, a mini-sode series where I share with you some of the most terrifying, nightmare-fueled moments extracted from the dark corners of 90s Nick history. I'm your bone-chilling host, Brett. And today, we have a tale that makes one ask themselves, what are nightmares made out of? Are they nothing more than negative thoughts manifesting in our subconscious? Or are they re-triggered trauma with a dash of chaos? That's what we'll find out with my particular story involving one of my encounters as a child, featuring the abnormal. Before I go full force into the story, as frightening as the actual appearance of the abnormal is, I actually enjoyed his look as much as I enjoyed the pool zombie from Dead Man's Float. To me, this is the scariest Doug episode ever, right alongside uh, Doug's Halloween adventure, just because of how creepy that uh, green ghoul was that we saw in Bloodstone Manor. And I really wish Doug did more horror-themed episodes, or at least some more Halloween-themed ones, because I really like seeing this angle from uh, you know a seemingly perfect suburban lifestyle turned upside down by by something a little bit more psychological, something a little more sinister, for lack of a better word. Um, so if you ever have any ideas of what you would imagine uh, a more spooky, more horror-themed Doug episode to be, let me know at splatattack2021 at gmail.com, and uh, maybe we'll feature it on a future Create Your Own episode, which I have in store for future seasons of this podcast. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you a dream that I had as a kid. I, I watched The Abnormal. I, I like to call it The Abnormal, even though it's properly named Doug's Nightmare and Jumbo Street. Because let's face it, it's, it's really more about the character than it is about Doug uh, overcoming his fears of uh, watching this movie that supposedly scared him to death. From the get-go, that music that goes like... Dun, 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 dun. That... <laughs> That already scared me, and we weren't even three seconds into the episode as a, as a little five-year-old, but I couldn't look away because of the, the movie poster that they showed in the intro, where the guy's running away from this really jagged, spiky shadow creature that we couldn't tell who it was. And uh, as, as I continued to look closer, hiding behind my, you know, underneath my little blanket for security uh, in the darkness of my room on a Saturday night before Snick, uh, all I remember was, don't go in there, don't go in there, you're going to get eaten by the abnormal. And it was it was pretty shocking to see how the shadow would just randomly pop up in different situations and just terrorize people and there'd be like red strobing lights. And it, it made me thinking, you know, Doug mentioned he was a shapeshifter. What if it's the same creature from the Tale of the Dark music, you know, the cellar door demon that never comes out of that door except when it manifests itself as your worst fears, like the skeleton carny or the life-size doll. Um, maybe there's a connection there. Maybe there's a shared universe where this creature likes to just dwell in certain places to feed on people's uh, fears. Heck, I mean, if you saw the recent season of Stranger Things, it could be connected to Vecna, but I'll let you conspiracy theorists figure that one out for yourself. Uh, anyways, 
as I was watching this episode, I, I literally felt like Doug there in the moment. I was just closing my eyes. I didn't want to see what would happen or what gruesome ways, uh, you know, the abnormal creature would devour its victims or, or consume their brains or even just to overtake their bodies. And it, it, it just left me un, unsettled. Uh, it, in fact, I had to walk away from the episode for a little bit and come back. And I remember the, the little kids, the little fans who were watching it, they really enjoyed watching it. And I felt like them too, because they were just so excited to see over and over and over again, because they probably love horror monsters as much as I did growing up. And uh, it, it just made me think of how this episode has become such a cherished memory of mine, even though I was frightened, terrified of it as a, as a kid. So, you know, I, like Doug, and very similar to Zebo too from Are You Afraid of the Dark, a lot of the fear comes from your imagination. Like, what could it be that I would not want to see or encounter versus what it actually is based on the director's vision? And, and the night after I watched this, I had a nightmare where I essentially felt like I was in Doug's situation. It was a nightmare that was very vivid, where I felt like I was in another reality that was real and fully alive. Like I could touch things and everything. And I was in this really weird twisted Toontown um, with like heads on them, heads on the buildings just going up and down, up and down. I think, uh, I think it came from the actual episode itself, but it seemed more like a, a twisted version of Roger Rabbit's Toontown, more so than the Doug interpretation of uh, Bluffington downtown. And I just remember being like lost, stuck in an intersection, not really knowing why I'm there, where I'm going, or you know why I'm in the middle of an intersection of all places, instead of like in a movie theater or somewhere safe and comfortable. But I, I looked up, and sure enough, I saw the the evil spidery traffic light uh, that I saw in the episode of Doug, and it was just looking down at me after it turned all of his lights from like the normal uh, you know green yellow red all to red and it, it began to like strangle me with the cords it, it took a couple of the cords off that was suspending it and just like and it, it was it was frightening I, I hate having dreams where I'm like choking or strangler and I can't breathe because it really just sucks me into like a dark place of anxiety but luckily I had enough like mental control to just move that thing off of my neck and I just began running away and I kept running and I kept running and I ended up somehow at my my house that I lived in at the time uh, just going inside and trying to find a place to hide I didn't know where to go because I can feel the shadow looming over me constantly and I had to be clever so that he couldn't find me. Um, <laughs> of course, I didn't have much imagination as a five-year-old in the sense that I couldn't think fast on my feet. I could just run fast. So I hid under the bed like any typical young child, hoping that it wouldn't uh, find me. And I found, <laughs> I found myself just quivering, trying to keep it together best I could. And I, I saw the abnormal's hulking foot and I just, I just kept thinking to myself, don't say anything, don't breathe, don't do anything until he leaves this room so I'm safe. And then of course, you know, <laughs> he looks around. 
I try to be quiet. He turns away, and then he walks out. And I felt like I was safe for a moment. Like the dream was over, I woke up, and I just happened to be under my bed. But what happened next was really, really unusual, really unnerving. So for those who don't know, I had a dog named Taylor at the time, and she was a German Shepherd. Very, very lovely dog, rest in peace. She had a habit of like walking around the house whenever her like joints were achy. And so I thought what I, what I initially encountered was her when I got out from under the bed. But before I left the bedroom, because uh, she walked into my bedroom and I just pet her and then I was about to leave, she turned around and said, where do you think you're going? You know, in a very atypical monster style voice. I turned around real quick, you know, still had my hand on the doorknob. And before I knew it, the uh, Taylor, or who I thought was Taylor, <laughs> stood up on her hind legs and arched out her her like front legs uh, like this. And her eyes began to glow like gold, like just like a lighthouse in each eye. And I was freaked out because I didn't know what was going on now. It, it was just wild. It reminded me of that moment where Doug encountered Porkchop and he had that Jack Nicholson voice like he did in The Shining. And it just, it, that's how you knew you were stuck in the dream because things weren't what they initially seemed. So I, I, I just freaked out. I said, you're not Taylor. And, and the, the weird dog demon creature, I'll call it that, said, what are you talking about? Come pet me some more. And I, I just did not want to be involved at all, obviously. So I ran, I ran back downstairs and uh, the, the weird demon dog kept chasing me. I quickly hid underneath, um, well, not underneath, I quickly hid behind uh, this, this old brown sofa that was up against uh, a window in the living room. And uh, I thought that if I if I was there, that he wouldn't bother to look for me. Also, because it was so tight that I can just barely fit without having any extra room for my tummy to, you know, expand and contract when I was breathing. So it, it felt like one of those instances where soldiers were hiding from, uh, you know, enemies during a war, and they had to be absolutely still while they were raiding the house. For a while, again, I thought I could escape this weird demon dog, but. You know, I think I think it knew it was clever enough to to wait until I came out when the coast was clear because that's when it seemed to really fully engage its energy towards me. And uh, when I when I poked my head out from under the the brown couch behind the behind it, you know, the gap uh, between it and the window, of course I saw it, you know circling around in the living room and then locking its golden gaze on me and then it just immediately pounced on me without a second thought and pushed me out the back window into our backyard holy hell that was a ride i i felt like i was going to die in that moment that was one of the very few moments where i thought i was alive in a dream but i was going to die but luckily luckily as you can still see i'm here that did not happen and that did not uh you know send me to the hospital or anything 
I pushed the, the demon dog off of me, like just to my side. I got up, tried to run away again, and it tried to chase me. And then I remember grabbing this, this rock, this like big heavy rock that was half sunken into our yard and just hurling it onto the dog. And it, it like definitely knocked it out. Um, and then I went to go over to see it and while it was unconscious and I just this is really strange I just remember like seeing a zipper on its back and being like oh what does this do like thinking it I was unzipping a pair of pants <laughs> and uh of course when I when I did that and looked down on the yard with the shards of glass surrounding uh surrounding me I saw a bunch of toy poodles jump out one by one <laughs> little pink toy poodles I'm pretty sure I got that from the episode as well but again sunk into my subconscious so yeah <laughs> well I don't even know how to make it that still like what do you do with that <laughs> uh, it, I guess it's just one of those instances where yeah, if if you face your fear, suddenly something you're you're terrified of is diminished in power. Thankfully, um, that that did remind me of the instance where I also fought the renegade virus in my nightmares, uh, because I also used that zipper trick to to uh, make him you know embarrassed, exposing his heart-shaped underwear boxers and everyone laughing at him. But this time it was just a solo encounter between me and the demon dog. Um, which I'm pretty sure was my manifestation of the abnormal. So uh, I remember waking up, you know, the next day, being in a, in a bit of a daze. I I was a little cautious that I woken up in another dream that I had to either fight or run away from the abnormal. But nope, it was uh, it was Sunday morning. I was in my bed, all cozied up with my blankets. And uh, for a while, I, f I forgot about that episode. And then about, say like six months later, when I caught it on TV again, uh, during the afternoon when I got home from school, I, uh, I, I ended up not like closing my eyes. I sat through the whole thing. I, I wanted to be strong like Doug. I didn't, I didn't uh, rope my hands to the, to the arm rest, luckily. I didn't need to do that. I was su surprised by what the abnormal turned out to be. You know, it was just this freaky looking red monster that was semi-aquatic with like the weird fins and gills and webbing under its armpits. And it just made me think, oh, this kind of looks like this weird uh, volcano-y uh, Mighty Max toy that I had at the time. And I thought it was more cool than scary, but I guess that just goes to show you how imaginations can run wild if left unchecked. Certainly more so with me because uh, it seems to be a lot more vivid and uh, sensory than like someone who isn't artistically inclined. Maybe I could be wrong, but that's that's my personal perception that you know my emotions and my dreams and all that stuff are are much more heightened as a result of uh, my proclivity for creativity. So if there's any takeaway take from that nightmare that I had as a child, it's that uh, face your fear. I know it's tempting to run away, but uh, if you do, it'll just keep chasing you. You can't really get away. It's just better to face things head on and just see the result because nine times out of 10, as far as I know, 
Um, they aren't deadly consequences when you stand up to things that you're afraid of. And that's, that's very reassuring, that's empowering. And I hope that anyone who's ever been scared of anything they saw in Nickelodeon as a child can use this, uh, can use this experience that I'm sharing with you as a, as a bit of hope or reassurance that, you know, yeah, things are scary in life, but you can, you can handle them. You're stronger than you think you are. I certainly didn't think I could tackle a dog and, uh, and turn it into a bunch of toy poodles, but I did because I just didn't want it to, to haunt me anymore. I didn't want it to like kill me. So I had to fight back. And uh, I know you guys can do too if you ever encounter something like this in your nightmares. So with that being said, that is my last nightmares as a child for season three of Splat Attack. Whether we choose to continue this mini-sode uh, series for season four and beyond, it is a little bit unclear right now, but I would love to hear some of your suggestions, please. If you have childhood nightmares, definitely submit them via splatattack2021 at gmail.com and even go one step further. Send either a voice recording or a video of yourself retelling your nightmares that are related to either 90s Nick or 90s nostalgia. Um, I haven't had as much uh, participation as I would have liked, but I'm always trying to encourage you guys to get more involved. This this show is not about me. It's not about Alex. It's not even about Sam. It's about our guests. It's about the experiences they have to share, and it's about our listeners who keep this community thriving. So if you value what we do and you want to be a part of the action as we continue to grow, uh, you know, just towards preserving uh, our slime-filled past together, Send us some nightmares and uh, join in on the fun with us. All right, guys. Splat you later with another terrifying tale. If I choose to do it for season four. <laughs> the end. Or is it?